Hello and welcome to the Billowing Hilltop podcast. Hello readers, we're off and underway into book seven, The Spire of Long Shadows. We hope you're enjoying the story. All the usual stuff about ratings and reviews applies and we would love to hear from you via email. Hello at billowinghilltop.com. You can find us on all the social channels as usual and you can check out our Tumblr, billowinghilltop.tumblr.com where you can see maps and the other handouts. Uh, We'll try and add those in as we go. That's it. I've got no other news or information, so let's push on with the story. Uh, we're about to meet Marcus Doombringer, and uh, spoiler alert, Buggy doesn't get to hit anything again in episode 103 of the Billowing Hilltop podcast, The Man with the Golden Sun. So Burpool has six level spells, but six level spells for the Bard are pretty shit. I think so. And he doesn't get any more six level. He only ever gets one. Oh right, he doesn't get. He never gets seventh. No, he gets seventh, but he only ever gets one seventh and one sixth, yeah, but two fifth. You know, it used to be know. that the number of spells per level go up a level as you go up levels. Well, mm, you get another third yeah. level spell or something. But what sort of spells you're looking at? Six level, pretty juicy. The one I chose was um, Otto's Irresistible Dance because mm. it's basically it binds you around no save. Yeah. Mm. What other spells have you got though? I mean, there's some really good ones at six. Well, he also gets this thing called Magical Secrets, which means he can take spells of not the, of, of other classes. Oh, so he gets God. two spells of oh, other right. classes. So I've taken Haste and Wall of Force. Mm. Might oh, change It's too hot to play D&D. It is too hot to play D&D, except it's not too hot to play D&D. Thank God for the Mankinis. Otherwise, <laughs> I mean, it's a little... Th- it's never too Fashion always to comes D&D. back round. I think we add them to the merch store. I think that's the answer. Not even wearing a mankini. The little D20 bit of the logo is very strategically placed. <laughs> yeah. It's a very small dice. Well, yeah. I'm that's okay. That's what they've said about you for years, Paul. The important <laughs> thing very much. is that it covers the tip. I think that's where we are nowadays oh, as a culture. Just, oh, always bring it down to the lowest level, don't you? Well, I've tried to, but it keeps snapping back into place. <laughs> <laughs> right. Should we play some D&D? 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 I was just noting that you've turned us into a group of superheroes, Mike. What? When was that? When you gave us the magic items, so we can now all fire lightning and thunder and fly. Yes, that's right, I suppose. Lucas, tell us about... We need to do your levelling up. Tell us about Parpake. Tell us about his levelling up, and then we can go into this shambolically underprepared session. Uh, yeah. Hang so on. take as long as you like, basically. <laughs> I've got... This beer is very welcome, Paul. Yeah, you drinking a very pint much of white wine spritzer. Um... A pint of white wine spritzer. Very cold, very weak, very delicious. Mm. Say again, Lucas. Um, I, I've completely forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I did it before no, I went away, and now you've just spent like... a long yes. time uh, there. There's no, going to be an awful lot of that this happened, evening, yeah. I suspect. <laughs> I'm running out of beer. I need no, to go and get another one. Level monk is very boring, unfortunately. Eleventh? No, because he's one level of druid. Oh, he's got. He's done. He yeah. made that critical error. Yes, Luke, if you're listening, yeah, it's all starting to come back to haunt him. So, what happens with tenth mm. level monk then? Uh, I completely forgot. <laughs> Duke. Uh, here we go. There's got to be something. Come on. Did he get any hit points? <laughs> Extra plus one to hit. No, the D8 you don't get until next level. It's Oh, that's right. I'm immune to poison and disease. And I can now move oh. 20 foot faster than normal. So that's increased pretty cool. Speed. The poison immunity. Yeah, that's pretty, that is pretty cool. Yeah. How fast are you now? You're not faster than me, I hope. Uh... Must be. Yeah, it's going to be. Must have gone up to I'm, 90, hasn't it? Or I can ridiculous. move... Uh, Standard uh, walking speed is 60. Oh. Right. That's almost 
as fast as me. It wasn't it's yeah, not that's quite as impressive as the bars. Yeah, I was wearing your boots of whatever they are. Well, tell well, me when you get a bit faster, and then, and then no. I'm saying the bard levelling up yeah. was much more impressive than the barbarian cleric levelling up. Yeah. The cleric barbarian. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. That I do remember from last time. I can't remember what we did last time, but I do remember that. The fact that Johnny is forced to pick from the kids' menu every time he levels up <laughs> because he's split. Well, <laughs> I'm actually, laugh. I think Paul's got a point there. I'm actually more cleric than barbarian now. You are. Yeah. And you know yeah. what that yeah. means, don't you? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, well, yes, it does. Well, it, uh, it means you're the junior cleric. It means I'm no longer the standing at the front, right? You never were. You're the acolyte. In fact, I think the bar is can go at the front. The words no longer were doing an awful lot of work in that sentence, Johnny. Grosso bard can go at the front. Bard is the primary spellcasting resource. You can't put the arcane spellcasting. And the junior cleric has to stand in front of the senior cleric. Yeah, but who's and the base himself? Me, I'm Mr. President. Uh, no, no, you're the junior cleric. You're the no, you're guy the president's the... assistant. Yeah, you know the one that carries Chief the star. holy water and the uh... <laughs> the altar boy. <laughs> you're the altar boy. But he carries the thermos flask. I'll go to the <laughs> cup of tea. Some sort of has to put up with that crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally. So, yeah, it's all right. I'm, so I'm Johnny, here just, to fight. Johnny, you've spent eleven levels trying to avoid spent. being at the front. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm no, going no, to the front. No, it's okay. No, no. It's okay. No, no. It's all okay. Eligos. Ah, yes, Eligos. Eligos. Lucas. Oh, Lucas. On the jet plane. Everyone the knows Chishin. Lucas. <laughs> what they did was they fought some suspiciously space-like people. Mm. Oh yeah. We've actually got quite a lot it's to tell you. It's gone, Mike. It's gone, Mike. It's gone all, Mike. This whole thing has Hasn't... gone, Mike. No, no, With no. The space no, people. It's gone. No, no, no. It's what it's gone is it's gone pulp, right? And that's the Paizo thing. They love pulp. They love those kind of uh, themes and ideas and stuff. Mm, I thought it was a bit weird. Cuthbert Ouch Splinter uh, appeared as a sort of projection outside the entrance of the Whispering Cairn and asked the gang for the fragment of the Rod of Law. Right. Which we obviously all agree he should have, you know, because he's such a good and trusted friend. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Or the other option may have been picked. You were offered the gems, the two gems that you had actually dropped that Cuthbert had picked up from before, right? The diamonds. One of the gems is in in the effects of Parker. The other two, Cuthbert had, well, they a little quasit or something popped into existence and had a little chest and the chest was opened and there was a space for the rod to go in and the two gems were proffered as an exchange. You said, absolutely not, but not before Burple had mage-handed one of the gems out of the chest, which is, I presume is... Who's got that one? Burple uh, will have that one. Burple can have that one. So Burple's got one. Parker's got one. The other one remained in the chest. The Quasit, again, out when you refuse the bargain. And then weird creatures warbled in from another dimension and attacked you. And they were, I have to say, they were... I think they were rubbish. Hopeless. Yes, they were really took any damage at all. I know it was weird. They were, they were pretty... Not even memorable, and, really. They mm-hmm. also looked reluctant. It actually looked like they were like, okay, if we have to, if we've agreed to, fine. And they just didn't want to do it. But they had sort of weird paraphernalia on them. No, that sounds like... It's <laughs> not weird. <laughs> it's just spacesuits and space guns. Nothing weird at all. There I we go. Yeah. Nothing to That's what you here. kind of... We're not certain about that. 
it's not explicitly stated well, that they're spacey people, but certainly reading between the lines, it seems a bit spacey. And I'm sure by the time that our readers hear this, they'll already have heard last episode any... and the stupid spacey music we stick over the top. Do our characters <laughs> have any concept of what spacey people are? I mean, no, which is why it wasn't described in so in said terms. Right. It was just done like these things have artifacts on them, and the manufacturer of them looks very strange, basically. Okay. Uh, um, can I just point out, Dan, that the no. don't forget the gems have some sort of homing beacon on. Yeah, well, they can also, if they can t- if they can track the rod of law, they can you know we the they can track us. So we need that's right. We need to somehow mask the rod and remove the tracking from the gems. Let's if talk about some that. sort of container that we can put them in. I think we were talking about. Hole. Yes. Well, let's talk about that in a minute. Let's mm. catch Lucas up on what happened after that. Having defeated the strange people, you all headed north. Lucas, look at the map. Look at the lovely map that we're on. Yeah. Are you looking at the lovely uh-huh. map, Lucas? There's mountains okay. on the right-hand side. And Frostanger. Frostanger. The lake of the Is cold some kind of city sky. on the northern shore of this giant lake called the Lake of the Cold Sky. But on the southern shore is the little town forward slash village of Truespire. And just off the coast is Truespire Island. And mm-hmm. on Truespire Island, there is a kind of wizard's tower that exactly resembles the Sorcerer's Spire in Evenstar, which is the home of magical study. Mm-hmm. True Spire is very nice. You can feel the magic in the air. You were guided into town by a fox that you met at the town sign. And the fox guided you to the All-Seeing Eye, which is a large and well-appointed inn in town. You were led through the bar. There's all sorts of stuff going on there. Into a little antechamber. And there, there were three people. One of them was an elderly gentleman wearing the regalia of a priest of Tonj, the All-Seeing mm-hmm. Eye. And the other figure was a very capable-looking elven woman in dark, road-weathered um, traveling clothes, like a kind of capable, adventure fighty type person. And then the third person standing up, turning to you as you entered and saying, hello, how nice it is to see you again, was Eligos. Mm-hmm. That is where we left things. Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> 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 Eligos is delighted to see you. She introduces you to the other two figures. The elven woman is called Bondi. Ah. And she introduces herself as effectively a sort of, well, an assistant, an attendant to Marcus Doombringer, who is the patron, the lord of this little community. Right. He dwells, does his research, does his work out on True Spire Island in his magical spire. She seems a little off with you, like she's been told she needs to talk to you, she's been told she needs to be civil, but she doesn't really think that you're worth the effort. The elderly gentleman is called Agath of Thrunch. (laughs) He is... I did not make that name up. That came straight out of the adventure. No need to change it for once. Agath of Thrunch resurrected Eligos. Agath is a... You can just tell he is just imbued with the power of Tonj. Big time, right? Right. Mm-hmm. He resurrected Eligos. He also seems a bit sceptical about you. He also seems like, I wouldn't have had to resurrect Eligos if you lot knew what you were doing, basically. Eligos, on the other hand, is massively positive about you. She does the introductions. Let's not try and rehash everything that you've done, where you are with all this. First of all, because none of you can remember. Second of all, because everybody's heard it too many times. But she basically talks them through your experiences thus far. She tells you that 
Garth is in town, Garth South Portal, as is Bonce Bompa Ompa A, who was also resurrected by Agath of Thrunch. They're off in the village somewhere. They're staying in the inn at the moment, as is Eligos. You're all there because Eligos feels that you need to take what you know and she needs to accompany you and talk to Doombringer because Doombringer is the next, is the logical next step in terms of trying to find an ally, trying to find a source of wisdom and power that can help you with what you're doing. That is, in a nutshell, why we're here. Mm-hmm. You've also been told to come do this by... Yes, yes, but... Who told you to come this way? Basically said, Find Doombringer. Mm-hmm. He can help you. Help me, Doombringer. You're my only hope. Yeah, basically. Doombringer <laughs> is busy, but he will probably be able to see you tomorrow, and they will accompany you out to see him. Other than that, uh, let me just check my copious handwritten notes. There's not much to be said. You can rest and recuperate. Stay at the inn. Their view is that you are safe. If you relate your, um, for example, your encounters with Cuthbert, there's a good question. Do you share your recent um, escapades with them? Yes. You talk to them about the rod or not? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. yes. Absolutely. So we, we say we want, we need some kind of receptacle to mask All it. of their eyes widen when you mention the rod. I mean, that really is seriously another level mm-hmm. yeah well so we the, are the, on the, another the level well you are another level yeah <laughs> you are literally, literally on 11th level agath and uh, bondi's skeptical approach is mitigated a little by this revelation but they're kind of like okay well it's a bit like the bit in um, armageddon where bruce willis and his crew turn up for the first time for astronaut training and the guy goes talk about the wrong stuff they're looking at you like that they're looking at you like who are these people you just like a ramshackle bunch of idiots which we all know you are. With a glowing right? set of magical artifacts. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Glowing set of magical artifacts, conical heads, enormous eyebrows. But Eligos is a big supporter of yours. She says that while you're in within the bounds of True Spire, you're probably safe from the Ouch Splinters and from anybody else trying to track the rod because there is literally magic in the air. There is a weird, enhanced magical field that emanates from the spire and affects everything around it. And while you're dealing with Doombringer, you're going to be fine. But yes, she will see if she can find anything. There is a well-stocked library of lore in True Spire. She will apply herself to finding whether or not there is some kind of container or mechanism or technique that you might use to shield the rod from scrutiny. Is that what you need? Yes. And be quick about it. I think the other thing is... I certainly shall, Uncle Buggy. I want yes, to remove the, the magical traces from... How many gems? Do we get both gems? No, you only got the one. You've got one, and then you've got the one that Parker's always had with him. Nice <laughs> okay, so down. we want to remove... We want, yeah, no. We want to remove the magical traces from those. Does the dispel magic work? Maybe maybe uh, the priesty guy of Tonge can use his... If, are you magic. are you putting your, your two spheres out on the table for them to inspect? Yes. Yeah, slapping your jewels <laughs> out onto the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all crane forward to inspect your jewels. They're not that impressive. And their feeling is that a simple dispel magic is probably not sufficient, but that the magical effect of True Spire probably means that anybody who was using the gems to either trace you or to scry upon you or whatever would not be able to do so. But that's only a judgment. They're not certain. And likewise, 
Agath of Thrunch and Eligos both undertake to do a little bit of research. They have heard of these jewels. It's a well-known technique by the Outsplinters to use these gems. Okay. They'll see what they can find out. Otherwise, you're free to do what you want to do. And uh, they're waiting to hear from Truespire as to when Doombringer has a little bit of time in his busy diary. Right. Well, can he find a window in his diary? Here. I'm, I'm going to get a yes, few mugs. They have ale. See how much I can You're ruining your border all... Pay for compliments of Doombringer. Yeah, Ooh. help yourselves. Right. Well, I'll, I'll go for the strongest ale. And Eligos kind of looks at you from under her fringe buggy and says, "Everything is compliments of Doombringer, but don't you know?" I do allow, but is there a <laughs> is there a magic shop? <laughs> Most things are findable. The timings may be difficult. Can I the issue here is I have a metal magic you, rod that I want to. You could certainly agree sell. a sale. Yeah, it's more about the timing. So, True Spire has only got a population of 530, but it's an unusual 530. It's like, yeah. it's like one of those awful gated communities in Surrey, right, <laughs> where everybody's loaded. Yeah. It's like, it's a small place, but there's an awful lot of money. There's, I mean, there's awful people. Adventurers, do you know what I mean? They would be awful, would they not? They would just mm-hmm. be awful. In real civilian life, you'd just be like, oh, God, is it going to... You'd be invited to a party, and it'd be like, oh, God, are they going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They just be they're all really loaded, constantly trying to outdo each other. That reminds me very much of the time. All yeah. that business. Mm. You can arrange a sale. There's not a formal there's not like a magic shop, but there's an informal network that Eligos is connected to. She can find you people that might take something off your hands, and if you've got something specifically that you'd like to purchase, she could do the introductions that might be required in the local community to find something for you. The issue is not about the price or the rarity. The issue is about the time it takes to get stuff. So this may not be something that's like done now, now, now. It may be something that's done over the course of, oh, well, I don't know. We'll see what you want to That's fine. I want to transact. I just, I, I just want to get rid of this rod. I don't need it. Unless anyone else wants fine. it. Fine. What's it do? It's metamagic rod. So area effect spells do maximum damage. Okay. Yeah. Don't really have any do. of them. Actually, they don't do quite maximum. You get to re-roll as many dice as you want. Three charges. You've used it, haven't you? Yeah. I remember you using it. Yeah, I remember you re-rolling dice on stuff. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know. Got these swords now. Whatever you want to do. you got your swords. Don't need it. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, Eligos undertakes to ask about. She's interested in all... We've discussed this, but she's interested in your adventures. She's interested in... Obviously, she doesn't know anything about the whole Rackian situation, right? The hacker, all of that stuff. Well, she's heard some well, we stuff from Garth South Portal, but she wasn't there. So she's very interested to hear all of that. And you can sit up till late in the all-seeing eye on Doobringer's tab, basically. Okay. You've got very well-appointed rooms. Nice. Agath of Thrunch heads off at a certain point. He's not really, you know... A clubbable, sociable type. Bondi. And this is the middle of the day. Around about thrunch time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, come on. Shh. It's not bad. Bale of straw playing across the dusty road. Lone bell chimes in the, in the distance. distance. <laughs> Bondi doesn't hang about. She inclines a sort of more respectful head to you as she leaves. She's got a different attitude than when you arrived, but she heads off. She says that she's off to Truespire island and she'll return when doombringer is ready to see you there you go right anything mm. else you want to do uh well i'm going to replenish drink as much as i can <laughs> you could have a tour of the kitchens if you like sessions oh yeah absolutely <laughs> there's a multi-armed barkeep 
Mm. And there are a couple of multi-armed cooks. Very chefs. handy. Very super Sh- handy. Surely the cheese caverns. Yes, I, I mean that. Th- yes, they take you through all three types of cheese that are available. <laughs> I will stock up on a little bit of each so that we have for variety. Right, yes, giant. Where is Marcus Doombringer supposed to reside? That I, am, I didn't catch that. In the tower. In the spire on True Spire. Oh, Island, right. right? Yeah, that, I mean... Listening back to this is going to be an embarrassing yes, listen for you, Lucas. But yeah, it's always going to be. you're obviously doing it's something else completely. You're obviously in another part of Switzerland. Does that mean I don't know yodeling or <laughs> putting on your dirndl? No, no I not just dirndl. hadn't caught that bit. Refitting the lederhoder. Lederhoder. Yeah, lederhoder. <laughs> <laughs> you were putting you were on your dirndl. <laughs> were you slapping your thighs? Were you? Were you... Edelweiss, eh? Eh? Edelweiss? Rattling a cowbell. <laughs> well, that's where he lives. Back right. 24 hours passes. 48 hours passes. You start to get a little bit bored. Eligos hasn't heard back about the metamagic rod. Mm. Uh, she does spend a little time leaving you to your own devices, doing a bit of research in the True Spire library. Not the famed library in the spire itself but the local library in true spire she is more confident having spent a little time doing some research that you are safe from being scried or tracked either through the rod or through the gems while you're within the bounds of the magical field we want to know when we're outside true spire how do we get the thing frankly you've been tracked to get here so that's right it's not about they would know where you're going she says that Doombringer may know more about the rod and how easy it is to track the rod and how you might protect yourself from being tracked through the rod. Definitely Burple, as we discussed last time. Again, a thing that I vaguely remember. I hope I remember correctly. You definitely, Burple, get more of a sense of this thing being connected to the greater universe through some yeah. sort of magical whatever than the others who just see it as being a fragment of a sort of you know, broken bit of metal-y stuff. Mm-hmm. The gems, Eligos says that there are ways of removing the enchantment on them. It's not dispel magic, and you'd probably have to leave them with her, but she might be able to find somebody to do it, or do bring it. Again, all roads lead to... Well, not roads, because they're obviously on an island, but all boats lead to do bring it. It's very possible that he will know. Do bring us an odd, um, an odd character, she says, when this comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Tread carefully with Doombringer. Just be careful, because he's, uh, first of all, he's very old, he's very wise, he's he's done everything. We all know that, we all know that. He's extremely powerful. He's slow to trust people, but he can appear to be very friendly, and you just got to be careful, chaps, because uh, I know Doombringer, I studied under him when I studied in Evenstar, as did Hesty. They've since fallen out. I'd like to think that I know him better than most, but even I know that I only know 5% of what he's really like. you just got to be careful. That's what I'm saying. But he is our only and best hope. So, there we are. The day rolls around. Our only hope. Well, best and only hope that she knows of. It's a giant world, but we've got to take the opportunities that are placed in front of us. And this is the best opportunity I know of. He will tell you more, but he has some direct experience, understanding of the threat that we face. He's only intimated that to me. He's not gone into details, but I'm sure we'll all learn a lot more when we go and see him, which you can do the next day. Next morning, Bondi is sitting downstairs in the main bar of the inn as you come down for breakfast. Commander Bondi. 
You don't know what her rank is, but her name is Bondi. Is it? Miss Bondi. Miss Bondi. D oh, Miss Bondi. <laughs> it's the standard breakfast setup, by the way. Yeah. Quiet men in heavy jewellery eating <laughs> fried breakfasts. <laughs> nice. Mm. Okay. Is there a buffet? Uh, no, it's that thing where it's like, would you like toast? Brown or white? <laughs> yeah. Yes, would you like toast, brown or white? Eggs is scrambled, fried, what would you like? Poached. Outed. All a little bit awkward, everybody's a little bit quiet. But Bondi is waiting for you, and after breakfast she says that she can take you out to the island, that Doombringer is ready to see you. Oh, do you expect us to come with you, Miss Bondi? I think that would be wise. Oh, okay. Let's head He's down our only hope, I thought he was going to go and uh, take on the bad guys. I'm there. She says, to level with you, um, people, Marcus has not shared much with me. Um, if you feel that he is your only hope, I think that you may be misunderstanding the situation. The situation is that Marcus may be able to point you in the right direction, may be able to give you help, but Marcus is not going to charge off into the future as a lone avenger or saviour. That's not his style. So he's not our only hope then, really, is he? He's your... He's your yeah, your, but no, your, but... He can act as your mentor and he can act, he can supply you with things that you may need. So we're our only hope. That's what I'm saying. Yes. That's the only point I'm making. Are they going to... You know what? You're not miles off. You may be our only hope. Astonishing though it seems, <laughs> she says, as she sort of... <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> and has to look down to see Sessions and uh, Buggy. <laughs> yes, right, can we have a bit like, more respect, please? Now that we're our only hope. You may be our only hope. But Marcus is who you need to turn to to get yourself put onto the right road to try and save us all. Right. That's what Excellent. she says. If you're ready, yeah, we're and ready. she yep. heads yeah. off, she takes right. you down to the docks. True Spire itself, it's like Hestie's Garden. Bird's song is sweeter, the temperature is warmer, it feels like eternal spring. When you get to the docks, mist gathers at the lakeshore. Oh, misty morning. You can't see true spire island very well you can sense its bulk out there in the mists suddenly it's very quiet all of the sort of warm friendly bustle of the town has been left behind you You're standing at this lake shore the water is very gently lapping around the stone apron of beach and you hear the regular the rhythmic kind of splash of oars and a boat emerges from the misty gloom in front of you it is like the rib cage of a giant creature. It's like the ribs of the boat are like the ribs of some sort of giant skeleton. And built into the prow of the boat is a figure that effectively emerges from the prow. So it has no legs, it just stretches from the prow. It's like a giant skeletal torso propelling this boat towards you with these huge oars. As it pulls up towards the beach, as it slides up across the shingle, the skeleton's giant head turns to regard you. It's got blue carbuncle eyes that glitter, glow as it regards you. Uh, sitting at the back of this boat, comfortably take 10 to 12 people, this thing. There is a little scrappy gnome character at the tiller. The gnome says, you must deal with the fairy white, points at the skeleton. And then a board, a plank, slides out from the side of the boat drops down into the shingle you've got an opportunity to board would you like to board the boat yeah oh we're back in in passive pool territory <laughs> what do you mean passive pool territory yes i'd love to board the boat thank you very much indeed i'm going to 
walks on down How the How do we deal the, with the, uh, the white? If you step onto the boat, you can see straight away that there is a little bowl built into the... Uh, um, give him a coin. It's like the river ...stanchion, stick. as it were, beneath this ribcage of, of this white. All the white is his arms, a ribcage, and a head built I'll, into the prow of the boat. i toss a copper piece. Written around the bowl on the little shelf that it sits on. It says, my price is for you to decide and for my master to judge. And the little gnome at the back says, you must pay the white before we can make the journey. Mm. <sighs> okay. How much? Doombringer. One copper piece. I'll put a gold. What do you want to do? I'm the bowl's just sitting I'm there. I'm going to put a gold piece in the bowl. Drop it in. All right. Two I'll silver pieces. Piece. The plank starts to slide back into the boat. Is everybody clambering on board? Yeah. 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 The plank slides in and becomes a bench. You can all sit and the ferry white starts rowing. Pulls you away from the shore. Pulls you off. No, it doesn't. Oh, Mike and starts to row you, skull you, if you pardon the pun, through the mist out to the island. It gets colder and colder. You can feel, especially you, Burple, who seems to have become oddly sensitive to this stuff, you can feel bands of magical force concentrating as you approach the island. The island's about a mile offshore, so it's it's a bit of a journey. You know when you put iron filings around a magnet and you get those bands of force? Yeah? yeah. It feels okay. like that. It feels like you're being kind of pulled in. It feels like the boat is following these contours in towards the island. You feel the hairs on the backs of your necks start to rise, especially in Buggy's case, obviously absolutely absurd. Just like, It's like one of those kind of Renaissance priests with those enormous ruffs. <laughs> yeah? His hair is all sticking out. <laughs> I kind of bald picture. head. <laughs> buggy with a kind of a huge blonde mullet like a triple after what seems like an age this methodical regular rhythm of the oars you push your way through the mist you every now and again sense presences out in the mist things rolling across the surface of the water almost made out of mist giant figures not sure what's going on there never close enough for you to make out anything specific you pull up to a dock on the island waiting on the dock is the fox, or at least it looks exactly like the fox, that led you into town a couple of days ago. Crackles, it was called. And Crackles, with its tail, beckons you forward as you Im- as you disembark. Do you embark and disembark? Disembark. Disembark. As you disembark from the boat, Crackles leads you through a gateway on either side of the gateway, like a stone arch. There are golems, stone golems in armour, Impassive, immobile, standing on either side of this archway. Crackles leads you through into a courtyard. It's always spring in True Spire, but here it feels like it's autumn. The mist still clings to everything. There's the smell of bonfire smoke, which is slightly disquieting because that's got memories of the Grey Woodsman and all of that. And there are autumn leaves being blown about and crunching underfoot. He takes you through a large, old-school wooden doorway into a very plain circular chamber at the base of the spire uh, there's a spiral staircase that winds its way round the inner wall and obviously heads up into the rest of the spire in the centre of the chamber there is a disc of stone that seems to be floating at the top of a hole so almost filling it like a plug crackles beckons you onto it are you doing what crackles says yes yep Mm -hmm. the disc 
descends slowly and silently down and down. Weird that you don't go up into the spire. Down a stone shaft. Looks like we're going down into the spire. You don't pass any other entrances or exits. You don't pass any windows or portholes or anything. Bondi doesn't say a word as you drop into the darkness. Mm. You must be deep into the rock, maybe right at the bed of the lake. It's a weird moment where you drop through an incredibly bright light and you realise that you've basically dropped through a representation of the sun. You've gone through it and you're now beneath it as this disc finally settles. It's completely dark, but you are surrounded by the orbiting celestial bodies of the Hearth system. What a bloody show-off. It's like the orrery, Parker. Right. In fact, it's very like your experience of the time that the orrery sort of sprung to life yeah. during the conjunction. Ah, right. right. When it populated the room, the space you were in with this animation of the solar system the, or of the, the Tonge system mm-hmm. as all of these um, planets and celestial bodies uh, rotate around you. Bondi doesn't blink an eye at this. Standing off to one side of the platform when it comes to rest are Agath of Thrunch and Elikos. Their faces bathed by the light of Tonge as you stand there. And Bondi sort of looks at you and just gently just takes that mind the gap little step off the platform and onto the floor of the main chamber and kind of beckons you to follow. Do you follow? Of course. Uh, Yep. Agath looks at you and despite the fact that he's been, I would say, not hostile, but certainly cold to you so far, he cannot disguise his joy, uh, enchantment at this representation of his deity, of Tonj, and all of this majesty all around you. Is it not (laughs) magnificent? (laughs) <laughs> he says, as he looks around at all of this, he sort of casts his arm around to kind of encompass all of this spectacle. Eligos just looks archly over his shoulder at you, as in, listen to this old man, he's just he's just bamboozled by anything. Bondi says one thing, and Eligos goes, oh yes, yes, of course, um, one thing. And Bondi says, Marcus is what we call a dispersonality. That means that his mind is dispersed through multiple manifestations, little physical creatures. There is a core of Marcus that's in a single being, but when you're dealing with Marcus, you're dealing with all of the little manifestations amongst which he's dispersed his personality, hence dispersonality. Agath Thrunch goes, it's very good dispersonality. So just be mindful that when you're talking to Marcus or talking to, they're called uh, wits, these little things, that he's all around you. And different bits, different parts of his mind are, are represented and split up into all of these different forms. Just just bear that in mind. At which point, the lights go on. Oh. The solar system disappears. You're in a chamber about 100 feet across, cylindrical. Ceiling's about 30 feet. You're surrounded on all sides by windows that look out over the bed of the lake. The floor is white. Everything is smooth. There are walkways across pools that divide up the floor. And one specifically leads off towards an area, a raised area with a desk. A desk that's absolute chaos, covered in papers and covered in glassware, retorts and tubes and bubbling equipment and all of the standard, you know, sorcerers, wizards, laboratory stuff and sitting in a chair there hidden in shadow there is some sort of figure who says hey, commander bondy you have brought uh, <laughs> all company that, with that you setup. 
on the desk you realize there are little figures a couple drop down off the edge of the desk hang drop down start padding across the bridge between the little pools towards you and beckon you forward on either side you realize there's another couple of figures once larger looks like a kind of well it actually looks very like the quasit that was sent to you by the outsplinters but clearly isn't it's more of a bluish kind of hue but it's fluttering about uh, there's another figure that's like a what are they called intellect devourer it's like a brain on all fours that's kind of wiggling about wandering around and they're all sort of busy around this figure hidden in the shadows behind the figure in the shadows there's something very odd going on some kind of figure or form almost like a golem or something but that's made out of some material that you just cannot identify it seems to be physically held together by some kind of huge mag i don't know you don't really understand magnetism but by some enormous electromagnetic force that just sort of keeps it together but you can sense its power you can sense its crushed nature like any disturbance you feel like you would just be pulled straight into it and crushed you can almost feel its mass and gravity pulling you towards it that's looming behind this figure at the desk uh, yeah everybody happy with neutronium so far a neutronium golem well i mean i don't know but some kind of strange creature <laughs> a neutronium golem. fish hitting fish idly swim got to have one by the windows as they look out onto the lake <laughs> uh the two little figures beckon you forward bondy turns to you he's got his wits about him today oh, and dear, oh dear oh dear oh dear oh dear second oh, oh, forwards towards the desk it's just a long shaggy dog story isn't it it really <laughs> was a couple, couple yes. of weak eggs yeah that was all that for a dodgy gag <laughs> just <that> rubbish <laughs> how many weeks has this been in the making <laughs> well i mean you know one the um <laughs> you came up with that and then you had to do all the back bit didn't you you came up with the, the end bit and then you no it's all flavour it's all flavour it's good yeah it's fine well it's in the, in the, uh, it's it's in the adventure that you you purchased no no in the adventure this is Tensor who you're meeting otherwise known as Manzorian but I just thought we aren't going to do that <laughs> and he's not in a spire Manzorian I don't understand Greyhawk lore but basically Tensor who we have all know the name of from the disc and all of yeah. that business mm-hmm, mm-hmm is aka Manzorian and is one of the eight including Big B and Leamund and oh, whatever those, who are all yeah, part of the original Gygaxian yeah mm-hmm. Greyhawk D&D yep. lore where were we you're led across this as it were this kind of bridge this causeway between these two pools of water fish idly swim past the vista windows all around you towards this desk behind the desk it's quite difficult to work out what you're looking at the first impression that you get is that you're looking at the gnome that was helming the boat that brought you out here Mm. the figure is sitting on a little stool not that kind of stool dan behind the (laughs) desk and it's certainly of the same stature it certainly seems gnome like it's wearing hesty's dressing gown or rather it's wearing the same dressing gown that on hesty is a let's face it an unsettlingly revealing garment (laughs) On this figure, whichever, is this Marcus? Is it a bit of Marcus? You just don't know what you're dealing with. But on this figure, it's a, it's a flowing robe. You realise actually that it's not sitting, it's standing. This robe is kind of flowing down around it. The figure moves towards you. You can't tell whether or not the stool that it's standing on or the platform or whatever it is it's standing on is sort of gently gliding towards you or it itself is moving towards you. Or if, weirdly, 
your sense of perspective and distance is slightly being fucked around with and it seems to be getting closer a bit like somebody kind of playing around with the pull zoom thing on a camera there's a slightly odd moment where you just feel you're kind of getting closer to it and you can't work out quite how you're getting closer to it it's got one green eye Uh, the other eye is a little face like a little smiley face stylized carved face that swivels and seems to act independently it's kind of observing you moving like the eye of a chameleon that independent movement it's looking at you in turn whilst the main countenance takes you all in can somebody give me a perception check a dice roll perception eh let's roll a dice roll a dice roll a dice roll a dice how do you roll a dice again 14 you know what you can either do a perception check or a straight intelligence whichever you prefer 18 Sessions gets 21 perception. Alessandra gets a 20. Sessions, you've got a 21. That's very good. Burple, you've got an 18. That's very good. Alessandra, you've got a 20. It's good, but not as good as Sessions. Not as good as Sessions. Set up away to the side on this giant desk. There is a dragon chess game. Is there any significance of dragon chess? Well... It's a very popular game. It's it's the darling game of the intelligentsia. It's regarded as being the game of intellectuals. Okay. A true test of the strategic mind. That's not what has caught your interest in itself. What's caught your interest, what has sparked your memory, is that it's the same game that Hesty had set up in his house. It's the other side of the board. Right. Like J.F. Sebastian and Tyrell. Yeah. So they're playing at range. But it looks like it's long abandoned. Yeah. The figure behind the desk notices you notice the dragon chess game. And it says, Commander, <laughs> I, can't, I haven't got a voice for this guy. Commander Bondi says, That's enough from you. Off you go. Yes, Commander Bondi. <laughs> Thank you, Commander Bondi. Yes. This game of dragon chess you see here, uh, it's not been played in 20 years. Uh, Hestitestapod, yes. You know him, yes? Yes, we've met. You know? yes. Something's happened to Hesty. Again? Something happened 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Game has long been abandoned. We have become estranged from each other. Right. I don't understand it. And neither do my witch. The little creatures that are all around you kind of scratch their heads. Go, yeah, I don't know what they are. It's a mystery to me. It's a mystery. Something happened to Hesty Burple. You are Burple Herpish. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Bring forth the fragment of the rod that you have. Place it in front of me on the desk, please. Okay. I'll do that. I covet this very much. I must have it. I must take it from you. But we will talk over this later. You will be compensated. Something is strange with Hesty Testapod. Something that I think relates to you, Burple, but I am not certain of the answer. But here's not been the shame for 20 years. Something has gone on there. And here's abandoned our game. It bothers me that he abandoned our game. Elegos! Uh, um, uh, Marcus, come forward. Talk to us. Talk to us about Hesty Testapod. What is it? What has happened with Hesty Testapod? Elegos just looks at you blankly like she doesn't know. Any of you, any concept of what has happened to Hesty? Or you only know him very briefly now? Yes? Yes. Well, <laughs> we've only... Don't take the pish. <laughs> only known him a few uh, weeks. He's not the man that he was. He's not the same person. It bothers me. Very strange dress sense. He wears the robes of our order. That is not unusual. It's not unusual. And sorry. 
That wouldn't happen to us. But why? What is why your do you think life? he's he's different? We used to be. He was uh, my student. Yeah. Uh, we used to have a connection. Elagosh, Hesti, they studied together. Right. I had great hopes. <laughs> I'm thinking of words with ashes in them. I had great hopes for them, but Eligosh, as you can see, has become erudite. She has learned. She is part of the community of Evenstar. She's part of our great community of sorcerers. Has she? He just became obsessed with this he, can, with he these beca- tombs. He, he became what? Obsessed. What? what? Uh, yeah. Listen. Ob- let, me write, let me write it down for you. He looks at one of the wits. One of the wits picks up a little pen, dips it into its mouth, which is full of some sort of Icorus ink, whips out a piece of paper, writes the word obsessed on it, holds it up in front of you. He goes, obsessed. <laughs> he became obsessed with this. He looks at <laughs> he, With what? Gestures <laughs> towards the rod. The rod of Chef and Parch. <laughs> the, yes? the what, sorry? The rod of Chef and Parch, keep up. The, this is not the, difficult. Do you find it troublesome to understand me? <laughs> The, the what, sir? Have you taken leave of your senses? <laughs> leave of what? <laughs> he became obsessed with the rod. He became obsessed with those tombs in the Cairn Hills. But that indicates that uh, he has knowledge of something. He must understand or know something that we do not. But he became a different person. This is what I'm saying. He abandoned our game. He became estranged. He had dropped our correspondence. Well, if I understand things correctly... I didn't have a voice when we started, and now I've got stuck with this fucking he's, voice. He's, he's turned into a really bad Sean Connery, talking about <laughs> yeah. Commander Bondi. No, it's different. He's like he's Dutch. Yes, no. our beautiful city of Amsterdam. It's our beautiful city of Amsterdam. We all shit outside, we drink some wine. Was, yes. was he your We smoke some drugs, and then we all um, have sex, wearing uh, shoes only. Um... <laughs> So, uh, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> sorry, what was your question? <laughs> the age of worms is quite a serious is quite a serious thing, so you can understand yeah. why he might become obsessed by it. I if don't think real. he is obsessed by the age of worms. I think he's obsessed by the rod of seven parts. I think he is obsessed by the windchukes. Yes. Yeah. It's all he's ever been interested in. Any opportunity that I've had to correspond with him, to write to him, to bring him here, to talk to him, it's always been rebuffed. With this obsession around the hills, around the Cairn, around the Windukes, around Aqua, around this Rod of Seven Parch, I concede it is part of many prophecies that surround the Age of Worms, this this rod. We will talk about this, but he is he's lost his focus. This is what I'm saying. Anyway, on we must go. I have a bargain for you. Shortly we will talk about the Age of Worms. We will talk about what I know. We will talk about the next step on your quest. <laughs> But before we must discuss a bargain, right. I wish to have this rod. Many years I have coveted this object. I am not obsessed in the same way that Hesti clearly is, but I must have it. I believe it is more danger to you to own it than to dispense of it. I believe that its powers, fragmented as it is, are of little use to you. Whereas for me, it is something that I covet. I freely admit. I have agreed for it. I must own it. We, he encompasses all his wits, must own it. I am prepared to reward you handsomely. How handsomely? I offer you a bargain. It is for all of you. You give me this fragment of the Rod of Law and I give you a choice. You may freely choose your reward from two options. And we will find out what those options are. (laughs) Okay. And we will 
finish this conversation and you can make your decision about how to deal with Marcus Doombringer and this offer to take the rod off you when we pick things up next week. But wait a minute, will you remember the accent? Yes. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. <laughs> no wonder Hesty broke up with him. It's just an English accent, but with funny S's. It's not really Dutch. The Billowing Hilltop Podcast is a Billowing Hilltop production. Dungeons and Dragons is a trademark of Wizards of the Coast. The Spire of Long Shadows and Age of Worms are copyright Paizo. The Spire of Long Shadows was written by Jesse Decker. Music is from Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is used with thanks under the Creative Commons license. Additional music and sound effects come from the wonderful Sirenscape. All other original material is copyright Billowing Hilltop. Role-playing games are all about getting people together and we use Roll20 as our tabletop, the perfect place to host your game and Discord to host our chat. Thanks for listening! Thank you.